save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again this week is uh, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I'm fantastic, Chad, and um, may I start off by congratulating you on the fabulous get for a podcast guest guest um, recently that you had. You know, I am not that easy to get a hold of, and the fact <laughs> that you managed to get me more than once uh, is really an accomplishment. That's funny. I was going to make the joke. Are you talking about yourself? And then you beat me to it. Very good. Uh, yeah, that was a fun uh, podcast last week, and really appreciate Dick Williams, uh, Reds General Manager Dick Williams, coming on and talking to us. And and I thought being as open as he can be, and and trying genuinely trying to answer uh, the questions that we had. And uh, I don't know, I thought it was a I thought it was a productive interview. I thought it was a fun interview, and uh, he seems like a really really nice guy. And just I, I really appreciate him taking some time for us. Uh, what were your thoughts about that? I don't think we've talked about it. Uh, no, we uh, haven't. Um, I listened to it, and I was I was really encouraged. I mean. You know, I, I feel like he is more forthcoming than I would expect him to be um, anyway. And then compared to the previous administration, you know, it it's just, it's refreshing. Like, it's straightforward, it's sane, like, it makes sense. Like, even if I don't always 100% agree with everything he says, I understand what he's saying. And, you know, when, when he's talked, I feel like, okay, given the information I have, I might disagree, but... He sounds like a reasonable person, so I'm willing to go on the fact that he has more information than me. Yeah, absolutely, and you have a little more confidence that uh, he's willing to think outside the box than than Red's administration the management has been in the past. And whether mm-hmm. right, whether he's whether he's making the right call or not, whether they're doing the right things or not, at least you got a little bit more hope that uh, it's not just uh, playing it by the book like we've seen from not just the Reds but a lot of teams over the years. So. Uh, the Reds might have been slow getting to this uh, sabermetric revolution, but um, I, I feel comfor- comfortable that they are looking out to to go outside the box and color outside the lines a little bit and uh, 
And we're starting to see some of that on the field this year with uh, Brian Price and his bullpen management. But that was that was nice of uh, of uh, Dick Williams to come uh, join us. You know, it's funny. There was a time uh, when, <laughs> well, it, w- it would have been unfathomable that uh, someone associated with the Reds would come on this little podcast. So, you know, I don't know what that says about uh, just the fact we've stuck around for so long or whatever, but uh, I don't know. I, I really appreciate it. We've been around so long we're starting to become legitimate. That's right. People forget what uh, you know how uh, ill-equipped we really are to, to discuss the Reds because uh, if you stick around for a while, who was it? Woody Allen or someone that says that ninety uh, percent of uh, of life is just showing up, and we keep kept showing up over the years, and uh, that uh, good things are happening. And, and I think we have another uh, fun guest to. Uh, I'm not going to announce it tonight, but it, uh, I think we've got it uh, got it arranged over the next couple of weeks. Going to have another fun guest from the Reds coming on. So look forward to that. Uh, let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds. You want to do that, Jason? I suppose. <laughs> you know, the last time you and I talked uh, here on the podcast, uh, I think it's just a couple of weeks ago, we were, uh, you and I are generally pretty optimistic about the Reds anyway, but we were uh, even more excited than usual because the Reds got off to the hot start and I think 7-2 and two maybe at the time we recorded that podcast in first place and, and things really looking good and we were willing to be optimistic. The Reds have uh, hit, a, hit a bump in the road the last couple of weeks, uh, namely uh, the name of that bump in the road is Eric Thames uh, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, but, and so the Reds have slipped. Has your opinion of the team changed since a couple weeks ago when you and I talked? Um, I mean, honestly, no, not really. Um, I mean, you know, as with the vagaries of statistics, their, their chances of having a winning season are decreased now because they do not currently have a winning record. But, I mean, with any team that is this young, I you know, that was a thing that was going to happen. Like, there are going to be bumps in the road, um, and that, that is, that's just kind of the way it is. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm ready to see them turn it around a little bit. You know, that, that this hasn't been real pleasant baseball um, here recently, but I don't think that they're doomed. I think... You know, I think that I, I am I am nothing if not consistent when I say things like small sample size and baseball is weird. Something that someone told me long ago, and, and this is true of every team in every season. If you're a fan of a team, you need to pay attention because it's an absolute fact that the team is never as good as they look on their best day, and they're never as bad as they look on their worst day. It's somewhere in the middle. And the Reds were not, uh, you know... Uh, going to win 150 games uh, like we thought early in the year. Uh, but that uh, doesn't mean as well that they've, they've scuffled a little bit here in the last week, and that doesn't mean that they're going to be the worst team in the league either. It's somewhere in the middle, and, and they're about what we expected. I, you know, I said uh, 81 and 81, and I've not really seen anything to change my mind on that. And, and the biggest reason for the struggles lately is something that we all uh, could have, should have, and in many respects did expect, which is some inconsistency out of the starting pitchers. And how many times have we said it? Young pitchers are going to be inconsistent, and voila, they have been. Uh, yeah. and, and it's all sort of happened here in one little stretch, and it's caused the Reds to look maybe worse than they are. But uh, that that's sort of my diagnosis for why the Reds are struggling a little bit here lately. Is some of these young pitchers are, you know, they're going to be up and down, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. One one thing I would maybe point out, just because I know, as you know, for all of us as fans, it's it's hard to be objective about our own team or whatever. But, you know, for those who might be panicking and saying, oh, the Reds are going to be terrible forever right now, 
Um, I, I ask that you take a minute and remember a week and a half ago when Cubs fans were convinced the Cubs were going to be terrible this year because they were like three games under 500 or whatever it was. Right. Um, you know, and all of us who are not Cubs fans were like, oh, give me a break. Look at that team. They're going to be fine. But all the Cubs fans were like, no, no, no. It's just as bad as it was before. Um, which I personally would enjoy. If the Cubs would oh. like to go in the tank, I'm right. I'm there for that. Yes, please. How do I sign but, that petition? But it's it's unlikely, just as, you know, red starting pitchers are not going to continue to give up a bajillion runs every day. Yeah, and uh, think of a guy like uh, Amir Garrett, who, you know, incredible his first uh, two or three starts, and then really just uh, has just blows up in one. And uh, and I want you to talk about that in a moment, because I know you've seen that before, but, but that... No one should have expected Amir Garrett to be the best starting pitcher in the league the whole season. Okay, uh, he may he may one day be that pitcher, but the guy's a rookie, and uh, and this is not unprecedented. It's not unprecedented in Garrett's uh, personal development either, is it? No, no. I um, had a little post um, this week where I, I wrote about that a little bit, and he had a start last year. Um, for Louisville, when, when he called up, and he, actually the deal with Louisville when he was called up last year was precisely the same as it has been this year. And I've been telling people about it over and over and over again. I mean, I've, I've been nothing if not a broken record um, regarding Amir Garrett. And, you know, last year, okay, I found it now. He had a start in on August, 8, August 4th in which he made it through all of two-thirds of an inning while walking four and hitting a batter and giving up three runs. Sound familiar? And then his very next start, seven innings pitched, two runs allowed, seven strikeouts, no walks. No, every once in a while he blows up. But this is, you know, I've written about this a couple places. I wrote wrote about it for for Cincinnati Magazine, too, that, you know, the thing about uh, Amir that I've heard over and over again, and and, um, Delano DeShields in Louisville has high praise for Amir Garrett, is just that he is extremely coachable. Like, he has a bad day, and the coaches don't have to find him to, to ask him to work on something. He's looking for the coaches saying, okay, what do I need to fix? What's wrong with my mechanics? How do I get back on track? And so that's why he goes from disaster to, okay, now I'm great again. And I expect that he'll do that a couple times over the course of the year. He will, generally speaking, um, be a good to excellent starting pitcher and then every once in a while he'll walk too many guys because his mechanics get out of whack um and then he'll be fine again you know it's important to remember also that that amir you know was a basketball player for i think your favorite college uh here podcast over stop we're done you're out (laughs) but i'm gonna finish my sentence and then (laughs) all right we'll disconnect you after that you know but he's that sort of big long lanky pitcher and we've all seen those kinds of pitchers come up before and generally be very good but there's something about them where they seem to have mechanical issues for a while and it 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 seems to take them a little bit longer to get to that point where their mechanics are consistent every time and i think that's just that i think that's the issue amir is having right and he's so athletic he's going to get there he's going to get there eventually and and uh, honestly there are things we always get the tweets you know is it time to be worried about x and Amir Garrett's really the last one that I'm worried about right now. He's working through being a rookie pitcher in the league, and you know he's going to have some times like that, and he's also going to have some outings like we've seen as well this year, where he's his his first month of, the, of his career here, his major league career, has been a microcosm of what I expect from all young, talented starting pitchers. So, yeah. 
it will be interesting to see how he bounces back in his next start, um, whether he's you know able to quickly you know, fix whatever it was that was going on that day. Um, yeah, I want to talk about another young starter. Let's talk about a couple of them. First of all, Rookie Davis, uh, he's now started three games. His ERA is over 11. Um, I guess it's time to just go ahead and uh, and cut him, right? That's not very good, right? <laughs> 11 is bad. That's not good. Lower is better than higher in earned run average. Um, he's he's struggled. He's been bad. I mean, what do you, what is there to say? He, he may have been rushed a little bit. The Reds may have thought he was ready. Uh, he may be a guy that's headed down to get some AAA time at some point, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, he, quickly the the what I've seen out of rookie Davis, nothing I have seen convinces me that he can't be an effective major league starter. I just haven't seen enough of him yet on the major league level, even though it's been bad. Yeah, I mean, I think the what happened was he came into camp and he suddenly, I guess, he dealt with an injury last year and and that was resolved, and he was suddenly throwing a lot harder, and so the Reds were like, "All right, let's give him let's give him a shot," and it hasn't gone how you want it to, but. Yeah, whatever. It's three starts. I'm not judging any pitcher on three starts. Um, it may be that he ends up back in AAA, getting a little bit of seasoning. Um, but you know, it, you know that that kind of is is what it is right now. I'm not I'm not remotely ready to pass judgment on rookie Davis, especially because he has not like his big issue has been that he hasn't been able to throw strikes, and that's not something that has historically been an issue with him. Um, he hasn't ever really had um, that that particular kind of issue like he had like yeah. he's had this year yeah so all the you know uh whining and crying and gnashing of teeth over rookie davis come on you know come on he's 24 years old um he may he, he most likely will be down and when some people start getting healthy go down and get a little more time at triple a and that's fine uh, the, the other guy that people are already oh this i mean here's my pet peeve of the 2017 season so far and, and it's, it revolves around cody reed you know cody reed uh at one time considered to be probably the best pitching prospect in this organization. He struggled last year in the rotation. He's up this year. He's pitching six games, but he got the one start. And, of course, in the one start, he was giving up homers and did not look good. And I bet that uh, our Red Leg Nation, um, on, on Twitter, Red Leg Nation, I bet we've had 50 different people tweeted us saying, ah, send him to the bullpen. He's never going to be a starter. It's clear that because he has been good in the bullpen so far this year, it's clear that he's just going to be a reliever. They need to just just leave him in the bullpen. And my thoughts are, you're drawing that conclusion about one start this year from a 24-year-old? Cody Reed needs to be starting, you know, uh, still starting right now, uh, in my opinion. He needs to be in the rotation now. Uh, if the guy's got talent, the guy's got talent. You yeah. don't make a decision like that to send him to the bullpen after, you know, one start just because he looked awful in that start and has looked good in the bullpen. It's crazy talk, and yet uh, that's the that's the that's what we keep hearing. Send him to the bullpen, and it just drives me up the wall. Cody Reed has a very good chance to be a very good starting pitcher in this league, and again, nothing I have seen this year changes that. Now, tell me where I'm wrong. I do not think you are wrong. Oh, can you can you say that again? I do not think <laughs> you are wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would maybe say with that is that at some point he has to have a good start. Like, you know, eventually yeah. if he's, you know, and I don't know, you never know with starting pitchers. We're not in their heads. But, you know, he's seen, you know, maybe that he's coming out with a different mentality as a reliever than he does when he's a starter. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. But he... Um, yeah, he's just got to, 
he's got to have a good start. Like that, that's really all it comes down to is at some point he has to have a good start. And once he has, frankly, one good start, you know, I feel like that will be good for him and that will be good for uh, people in Red's land. Um, you know, I will say that, that a lot of the consensus has been from a lot of people. I mean, it's not just sort of the panicky fans, but some people who know what they're talking about have said that they thought Cody Reed was kind of um, destined eventually for the bullpen. Um, but And we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see if he's there or not. Um, well, maybe maybe he is, but and and he would be a shutdown reliever, frankly, with the stuff he's got. He would. Yeah, I think he'd be a fabulous reliever, and he, they, I think the Reds could use him in the uh, Lorenzen Iglesias um, type mold. Yeah, multiple innings, uh, high leverage situations. Uh, yeah. but but the guy was a he was a shutdown starter in the minor leagues. And he, he has struggled. <laughs> that's that's putting it lightly in, in the majors as a starter. Um, and, and you're right. At some point, he's going to have to he's going to have to produce. But uh, my leash with Cody Reed is pretty long because of the, what the what the upside is. If he does become uh, sort of meeting his, if he does meet his potential as a starter, that's just huge for this organization. So I give him a long, long, long leash before I decide this guy's a reliever. And, and, and even that being the downside, him as a reliever, like like I say, that's that's not really a downside uh, in in some instances, especially if, if the Reds will use him creatively and try to get him a lot of innings because he's he's talented. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What's the other other of these pitchers we want to talk about? There's well, one one in particular I, was, I want to talk about, but what I you say I'd like to talk about. Um. And you know, speaking of long leashes and short leashes, I at this point my leash for Robert Stevenson is real short. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question, the Stevenson question. And and I'll, I'll tell you why I think this. He has, for, for all of his highly toutedness, which is high t- how highly touted he's been, which is based entirely, frankly, off of how hard he throws the baseball, which is very. He has never, outside of half a season in A-ball, never had the results that you want him to have, ever. His minor league numbers have never been good. He's always walked too many people. This year, in 10 innings, he's thrown 225 pitches. Is that a lot? That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot for 10 innings, yes. You know, you, you just like, at some point, he's got to be able to throw strikes. You know, and the issue with him, and I saw it in Louisville a ton last year, is that even when he has a good start, you know, even when he would have a good start, it would be the fifth inning, and he would be on 95 pitches at the start of the inning. And it, you just, you can't do that. Like, that that doesn't work. So he, he's either got to throw strikes or resign himself to the fact that he's going to be in the bullpen forever or maybe even wash out. Like, because, again, he's gotten promoted based off talent, not results. He has never had the results he, to get promoted to the big leagues. Well, let me tell you my, my view of Stevenson here, which is slightly different, I think. Uh, certainly, you're absolutely right that really, uh, even though he's been the top pitching prospect, or at least in that conversation for a long time now for the Reds, uh, number one draft pick. Um, he has never had the sustained success on the minor league level that Reed and Garrett ha- have had. I mean, they've had stretches where they were unhittable in the minor leagues. And you're right, Stevenson really never had that. The reason why Stevenson, now he may get sent down to AAA to work on it, but I think he's got a long leash before he washes out because, number one, high draft pick. Number two, there were a couple of times pitching a relief this year, and only a couple of times, where he had things working. And you mentioned the velocity. His velocity is insane. When he can locate that fastball, 
his secondary pitches. I mean, everything else he has really, to me, and of course I'm not a I'm not a scout, but look, just uh, the pitches were everywhere. I mean, he could he could make that ball dance. I mean, this guy's got. You know, you know, you know what I think about Rizal Iglesias. I think this guy's got Rizal Iglesias stuff if he can locate it. But you're right; he's never he's never been never been able to locate the uh, the fastball. And if he can't do that, you're, you're right. I don't know where you put him. I don't know that he's a reliever. I don't know what he is. Yeah. Um, well, and I I agree. It's a long time before he washes out. He's got a long leash there. But um, you know, I think Robert Stevenson is somebody that um, if the Reds were healthier right now, he would not be in the major league. Yeah, he's probably starting at Louisville right now, I think. And and, and maybe there soon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Tim Adelman, who is really not part of the Reds' uh, plans going forward. But, you know, Adelman comes up and he, you know, kind of produces. He's, you know, sort of adequate. And uh, Stevenson comes up with about a million times more talent than Tim Adelman has. I mean, you can see it when he's throwing well, the talent and and, and the velocity. and But... Uh, I don't know if it's a million dollar arm and a ten cent head or whatever they said on the on Bull Durham, but uh, I don't know what the what the deal is. But he's a guy that's going to have to start showing something. At least with Cody Reed, you're catching these glimpses, and then you had the sustained success in the minor leagues with Stevenson. It's all projection, I think, is basically what you were saying. And yeah, yeah, um, and at some point, you know, as as all of us who who have lived past the age of twenty five or so have eventually learned. Um, people eventually stop caring what you might do and start caring what you can do. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I, gosh, I would love to see, I would love to see Stevenson put it together. Oh God. I mean, me too. Like that's, <laughs> that, that's the undercurrent to all of this, right? Is that what we really want is for the Reds to every prospect ever to pan out. Like, it's not like we're like rooting for anybody to fail. It's just, we want them to actually succeed at some point. And especially a guy like this, where if he does put it together, I mean, I, I can see the projections where he's a you know a one two starter or something like that. You know, maybe not number yeah. one starter, but certainly a number two starter because he does. Ha- t- to me, he has the stuff. Uh, but you know, how many pitchers in history have had this, this quote unquote stuff and uh, and never made it? So um, I don't know. We'll be rooting for him, but I would not be surprised if he were if he were sent down. Uh, did you watch? So talk about one more pitcher before we move on. I mean, we can talk about all of them if you want, but uh, one in particular that I wanted to talk about was uh, Ariel Hernandez. Did, were you were you watching that night that Ariel no, Hernandez made his major league debut? I just experienced it via Twitter, but uh, wow, what a debut! Oh my goodness, this guy! You know, Ariel Hernandez, who was uh, the Reds got him in the minor league Rule Five draft, which meant that uh, who was he with uh, Pittsburgh? Maybe no, who was he with? I can't remember. They left him unprotected. They left him unprotected. And, and, you know, he's he's 25 and just in, I think, 25. Arizona. Arizona. Uh, it was Arizona, right. Arizona, um, and uh, because he could throw hard, but that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Well, he starts to uh, learn the strike zone a little bit, I guess, and he, he gets called up to make one, uh, one uh, as it turned out, one appearance in the Major Leagues, his Major League debut, and just looked like the greatest pitcher in the history of the universe. He was bringing fastballs at in triple digits, over 100, several of them. He pitched two and two-thirds, uh, not just shutout innings, but uh, perfect innings. And uh, <laughs> he, look, he looked I mean, like nothing I'd ever seen. He looked like Chapman. Yeah, I was going to say, here's everything you need to know about Ariel Hernandez, because I'm looking at his page right now. His ERA currently is zero. His fielding independent pitching is 
negative 0.78. I think that means if he pitched any amount of time, he would give up negative runs. Right. He, he, he broke FIP. That's what he... <laughs> I mean, it was just insane, and it wasn't, uh, you know, getting a, you know, a nice play on defense or, you know, somebody popped one up. I mean, he was just overpowering these major league hitters, and it was fun to watch. I mean, it was just... I, I, I'm still blown away. Still blown away by it. Now, uh, is is that who he is? I don't know, but he certainly has that kind of stuff. He's another guy being put it together. But uh, he was in the, he was in the independent league at one time, pitching like the frontier league or something, because all he could do was throw hard, but he couldn't throw strikes. And he started throwing strikes, I think, at the end of last year, and has continued that this year. Well, so. and you know what? He's only twenty five. Oh yeah, I know. Like he's he's just he's one of these you know kids from. Latin America, I assume, who just signed when he was like 11. And so he's been in somebody's system forever. But he's still only 25. It's not like he's 34. <laughs> and Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're talking about, this is a guy, we've talked for for a long time now about the possibilities that the Reds have all these arms and they made all these trades and these young guys can maybe, we'll have a good staff going for pitching staff going forward. He's a guy that really wasn't even on the radar and now could end up being you know, the best pitcher in that bullpen. I mean, you know, it's and, and as young as these other guys. I mean, I think he's younger than Amir Garrett. So it's just uh, like kind of like Dan Straley last year. The Reds caught one off the, off the scrap heap and turned into a guy that really helped the team. This is the guy they got off the scrap heap, took a chance on, and you kind of need some of those guys to pan out to be a, a good good team, seems like, or to make that step forward that we're hoping they could. So it, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Oh, Wandy Peralta is he for real? Uh, he's he's Wandy Peralta. He exists. <laughs> he does exist. And if he wants to keep pitching like this, I think we're all okay with it. Uh, left-hander, also only twenty-five. I mean, yeah. Look at these. Uh, what we got here? Twenty-seven, age twenty-seven and under. Amir Garrett, Brandon Finnegan, Rookie Davis, uh, Anthony DiSclafani, Roselli Glacius, Michael Lorenzen, Wandy Peralta, Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson. Uh, Sal Romano, Ariel Hernandez. I mean, you know, some of those guys are going to pan out. Yeah. So, it's just a matter of seeing who. Yeah. Sal Romano recently went down with a shoulder injury. He did. He did. Let's hope that uh, nothing's serious. But he's young, and he took. he's still, you know, still in the plans. He's pitched well in Louisville so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was uh, – I saw his first start in Louisville. I was there. And uh, he did that thing that you really love it when major league pitchers do, which is – it seemed like he was struggling the whole night, and he ended up pitching six innings and giving up two runs and, like, five hits or something like yeah. that. It was the kind of thing where it's like you could tell he did not have his best stuff, but somehow he managed to get through it. Workmanlike, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now that, that generally speaking, this Bats team is not um, full of defensive superstars. Um, so it's not like he was getting rescued constantly by great play in the field. Um I was there at Great American Ballpark for his first start, his major league debut, and it was it was kind of fun. His uh, his family was about a third of the crowd there, and they were screaming and chanting for him. It was fun, but he had sort of a situation where he was trying to do that, but he had a couple of bad plays behind him, and his first inning got extended out, and he kind of I don't know, he kind of got lost a little bit, realizing he was pitching against the uh, best hitters in America. And uh, but I, I was listen, I'm 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 a big fan of Sal Romano, so. So anyway, you know, all those guys, some of them are going to pan out, and uh... and you know, you know, speaking of that, can I give everybody a, li- a reason to be optimistic? Oh, please! I, I always, as we're recording these, 
while we're talking, I'm always poking around on stats, and just if, if I notice something, I, I talk about it. But uh, the Reds as a team right now, their ERA is 457, which is not very good. But their XFIP, which blah, blah, sabermetric grumpiness for those of you who need to experience that thought, but which which is correlates better with what your ERA will be in the future than what your ERA currently is, is 3.75. So basically the sort of advanced numbers and the, the peripheral numbers say that the Reds really should have been a little bit better, actually a fair bit better than they have been. So that's reason to hope at least. Yeah, and combine that with the fact that you can sort of point at a couple of young guys blowing up a time or two and, uh, you know, you can start to see you can start to see that uh, there's not reason to be uh, as upset as, as many are. Um, what about this offense? I think the big news here uh, is that and by the time uh, that you're listening to this, it will have already happened, but uh, our guy Devin Mesoraco is back. Uh, I'm pretty excited to have Devin back just because he seems like a good guy. He's worked his butt off. You know, He has uh, produced for the Reds in the past. He committed to the University of Virginia before he uh, was drafted by the Reds. I'm high on uh, Devin Mesoraco. I don't know what he can produce, and that's what I wrote about this week, but I don't know how much we can expect from him at the plate, but I'm happy to have him back. What are your thoughts on Devin? I agree. I mean, I think everybody is is rooting for him. Um, you know, he certainly has had has had a tough road to hoe as, as these last few years. I, you know, I don't think anybody, like, would would wish that on anyone. That's That's been tough professionally for him. Um, you know, hopefully he comes out and just destroys the baseball. But I think we'll we'll take anything just about from him as long as he's reasonably productive. Um, but we hope hope he does well, and you know, certainly yeah. for him and all that. Well, I think with that shoulder injury, you know, he had the surgery. Um, it does take some time, uh, evidently, according to the research, according to uh, people that know more than I do. Take some time to get that timing back and get your swing back, and it's maybe not all the way there just yet. But uh, he, it's not going to get back until he's get some reps, and so it'd be good yeah. to see him. I think that uh, Brian Price announced that. Uh, He's going to start five of the first ten games, and at least initially, that'll be a pretty true, uh, you know, playing time sharing situation with Tucker Barnhart. Uh, Brian Price did say that he wanted uh, Mesoraco to catch each of the uh, five starters, whoever they are at the current moment, with them all getting hurt and getting sent up and down. What? Each of the like seventeen. <laughs> yeah, well, whoever the five are for the next uh, week and a half. Um, He's going to catch all of them at some point in their next uh, couple of starts and ease him back in. And, and yeah, anything he can provide, the way I look at it is, his baseline to me seems like what we're getting out of Tucker Barnhart. And, again, that's not a criticism of Tucker Barnhart. He is what he is. I love Tucker. Um, uh, He's not had a good start to the year this year. But in my mind, Mesoraco's, uh, maybe that's not his uh, floor, uh, what Barnhart's providing, but uh, in that neighborhood. So, yeah. if you can get that, that's better than having Barnhart uh, platooning with Stuart Turner, who's again I like Stuart Turner as well, but he's just not uh, doesn't have the reputation as a hitter. So that ought to help the offense some anyway. And then if he can be some semblance, I, no one no one expects him to be the 2014 Devin Mesoraco, but if he can be some semblance of that, where you can kind of squint and see that guy, that's a that's a pretty good power bat to put back into the lineup. You know, um, should yeah. help. Yeah. Yes, to all of that. From, you know, from all right. Uh, you want to talk about this uh, this outfield? Because this is really sort of an interesting uh, situation with yeah. the outfield. Yeah, it's, uh, well, your boy is not hitting real well. Or, you know. 
you you know the ground rules of this podcast are that you cannot criticize Billy Hamilton. Well, then I, I don't know how to proceed <laughs> with this discussion. No, you're at, you're, you're absolutely Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. Hamilton has uh, it's not the Hamilton we hope to see, is it? No. Um. I, yeah. He, uh, Criticize. Go ahead. No, I don't. I don't have any explanation for it except that you know his batting average on balls in play is a little bit low. It's two sixty one. You'd expect it to be better. So there, there might be a little bit of hard luck there. Um. You know, we'll have to see if things balance out for him eventually. One, one assumes that, that they might. Um, I don't really see, you know, I've been looking, and I don't really see anything else in his numbers that makes me think that he's, you know, way off of where he used to. He's, he's you know, maybe not making as good a contact as he has at times in the past, but he's never been someone who exactly punishes the ball in the first place. Um, I don't know. I, you know, this this is it is still fortunately early enough in the year that we can still say, ah, it's early. <laughs> right. You, know, you can throw your hands up a little bit. And go, oh, I don't know. It's early. Let's see what happens. And well, that's we, kind of where I'm at with him and, and the other two, frankly. Yeah, and I do want to talk about the other two because you've uh, you've had some things to say about those guys uh, that I don't disagree with over the last year. But with respect to Hamilton, you know, we are just talking about eighty-five at bats. And so if you're trying to be a glass half full here, uh, you know, I guess that's where you hang your hat. Um, he is, uh, <laughs> his numbers, frankly, though, look a lot more like the Billy Hamilton numbers from up until uh, last year's All-Star break rather than we, you know, we'd hope to see the post-All-Star break Billy Hamilton, or at least something in that neighborhood. On-base percentage of 261, I mean, that's just, that's not going to cut it, Billy. Uh, and I don't care how fabulous you are on defense, and he has been incredible as usual on defense. And when he gets on base, he's been incredible um, running the bases. But uh, at last I looked, you know, he's got 10 stolen bases. I think that leads the league uh, last I looked. And so <laughs> just, I don't know what to say. Billy, uh, I, went out, I went out on a limb for you here, predicted you were going to make the All-Star team this year, and you're kind of letting me down. So uh, don't do that. What about Duvall and Shebler? <laughs> those, those two, I don't know, there's, that's an interesting story too, uh, those yeah. two. I mean, those two, well, there are a couple things here. One is, and I'm, you know, I don't mean to keep bringing up the same numbers, but they both have weirdly low batting averages on balls in place. Shebler, it's 170. Duvall, it's 216. Those aren't going to stay there. They're going to rebound a little bit, at least. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing about them has always been that they are both, this is true last year and it's more true this year, long in the tooth for guys who are still trying to establish themselves. And we can argue about whether or not Adam Duvall had sent enough to establish himself or not. Um, but what it comes down to is that, you know, they can't both get on less than 30% of the time with Jesse Winker down in AAA getting on almost 40% of the time and both keep their jobs. Like, that's just not going to happen. So probably their numbers will rebound, but their numbers have to rebound or else one or the other of them is going to get himself Wally Pipped before too long. Yeah, their numbers are strangely, eerily almost similar to this yeah. point in the season. You know, uh, One of them has 86 played appearances, the other has 82, but their batting averages. Duvall's a little higher, but their on-base percentages are within a point of each other. Their slugging percentages are within five points of each other. They're both actually technically uh, you know, slightly above average thanks to the, the, the power, you know. Yeah. OPS plus of 110 for both of them, and but they each got seven home runs. Um, so they're sort of marginally effective, but I just don't know how long you can. If they're the same player, 
can you have both those guys in the lineup? Because neither one are getting on base. Um, and, you know, I think probably they are both the same player. I mean, you know, their, their minor league numbers both kind of project that. Um, you know, maybe I still would not be surprised, you know, that they, they – they tried this last year, and Duvall hit so well and Shevler so poorly initially that Shevler just got sent down, and they handed the job to, to, to Duvall. But, you know, if if this keeps up, why not platoon them? You know, play to their strengths, let them platoon, call Winker up and put him in whichever corner spot you want to put him in. And, you know, boy, a Shevler and Duvall platoon, I can imagine producing some, some really nice numbers. I'd have to look at their splits. I'm not sure what their lefty-righty splits are, but, yeah, you would think so, and... Uh... That's, it's an interesting idea, I, you know. I don't know if it's made tougher by the fact that Duvall was a the all star and you know some of that uh, storyline. But to me, if 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 their splits are what I expect they're being, I guess somebody will tell us when they listen to this. I'll go look as soon as this podcast is over. That's that could be a, that could be an interesting left fielder or interesting right fielder, uh, as the case may be, um, because they both look good at times. They can both hit the ball very hard. The other option that uh, someone proposed today. And I don't know. I may be willing to look at it. Not just not just yet, but is that maybe there's a trade market for Billy Hamilton, and you bring up Winker and Irvin, Jesse Winker and Philip Irvin, and uh, amongst those uh, with Duvall and Shell, amongst those four, you have some sort of a situation where you can cover the entire outfield. Um, well, first of all, let let me let me say right now that I, well as he has played, I don't think you call. Philip Irvin up now, like because he's coming off a couple of really pretty, pretty rough seasons. Um, you know, trying struggling with with power and whatnot in the minor leagues, and and I think you need to see. And you know, it's it's important to remember also he's I think twenty five or thereabouts. Um, you know, and twenty four. Twenty is he? No, really. He's, this is his age twenty four season. Yes. Okay, I thought he was and. So what 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 age season is this for Hamilton? Age twenty six. Okay. Yeah. So that. And let me say about uh, I think if you look at Urban's numbers last year, actually, his his uh, peripheral numbers were pretty good. His, he was like fifth in the league in WRC plus whatever that whatever league he was playing in. Uh, I think he had struggled up till that point, and so we've not seen a whole lot of extended success from him. He was playing in a somewhat offensively depressed league, and and that's that's fair. Um, he but does you- walk lot he has excellent plate discipline and always has um so it's but you know i I think you gotta at least let him have a little bit more time before you call him up um yeah i'm I'm with you i I don't he doesn't need to be starting in center field for the reds right now not yet i mean i think i don't know hamilton is such an enigma because he is not and probably is never going to be good in the ways that you want him to be good um you know, I, I, and so it, it just becomes this sort of constant conundrum of how much can you put up with offensively. Um, you know, he's got 93 plate appearances or whatever with a, basically zero hitting. But he's got three seasons roughly in the major leagues. Um, and when he's played, he's been often fairly close to an all-star level player, certainly above average. That just hasn't typically come from his bat, but you know, his defense has been good enough along with his base running to make him a significantly above average player. Um, you know, I think maybe we, we might be entering 
the territory soon where the Reds have to return to the notion as, of Billy Hamilton as an eighth or a ninth hitter um, and let him do what he does back there um, rather than a leadoff hitter. I, you know, that's something I'd be really interested to see. Um, I think we, we've talked about it a little bit. We might have talked about it last time, but to get to a point where the Reds are focusing really on high on base percentage batters at the beginning. And, and you know, you were talking about Irvin. Irvin Winker, Senzel, when he's ready, Votto, that could be a whole lot of getting on base there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a market for Hamilton if you wanted to trade him, but that would also be selling really low. Maybe, or maybe just selling at, at who he is. You know, my my, my predictions for Hamilton uh, may have been a little over the top, uh, with it, but they were sort of based on my feelings that age 26 – um, he's shown some flashes of being able to get on base that if he can put that together, he becomes an all-star. Um, if he doesn't put that together at the plate and he never becomes that guy that I think he can be at the plate, he's still kind of uh Cesar Geronimo on steroids. You know, he's still the best defensive player and the best base runner in the league. He's not a leadoff hitter and you're right. He'd have to be moved down in the order, but he's still an average, at least an average major league player. He's a guy that can play for a, a good team. Just, you can't count on to be the leadoff guy. And, you know, as much as we are kind of like hand-wringing, which is what we all do at the beginning of the season, um, it is important to remember that Joey Votto batted like 250 in the first half of last year. And Billy Hamilton is almost exactly like Joey Votto in every way. I agree with you, Jason. Almost exactly. No, Chad, you know my larger point, which is that baseball <laughs> is a strange game and things fluctuate. It is. Right? It, it is, yes. And, and it's easy to jump to that conclusion on Hamilton because of who Hamilton's been in the past. But, uh right. So, you know, I think we've got to give him another 100 at-bats at least before we legitimately start to panic. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, but it would be nice to have some guys that can get on base because this team is not getting on base uh, outside of, uh, of course, Votto, who's not getting on base at his normal numbers. But uh, the two guys that are really getting on base, really the only two guys uh, that have had a, just a really fun start to the year is that uh, left side of the infield. Zach Cozart leading the league in batting average at 393. He's on base percentage 493. And showing a little more plate discipline, seeing some longer at-bats, getting a few more walks than uh, usually he leads the team with 13 walks, more walks than Joey Votto. And, of course, the other guys, Eugenio Suarez, who uh, 412 on base percentage, uh, just been uh, incredible. Nothing nothing but positives uh, for Suarez uh, for the first uh, few weeks. So those two guys have been fun to watch. They've been uh, they've been quite, quite enjoyable to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and, you know, Suarez... Cozart has really, uh, uh, I think, probably gotten a little bit lucky based off of the peripheral numbers I'm seeing. Um, Suarez, I think, might be legit. Like, I think that, I think this might be real, um, or at least something approximating real. I mean, I don't think he's going to hit, like, a, be- a slightly better version of Joey Votto for the rest of the year. But um, but I think he may actually have, have turned that corner. Um, you know, he's somebody I think you and I both have been pretty high on. And uh, I know I have, but I, I think he's, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think Suarez is, is quickly going to turn into somebody that, that people feel like should always bat, you know, in front of or behind of Joey Votto, depending on what your preference is on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's hitting ball hard everywhere, and, and <laughs> it looks like an elite defensive player at third base now after, you know, all the, all the uh, hand-wringing early last year, and he was bad early in the year. But, man, he's got this reputation of being a really hard worker, and he has improved. I-, I don't know that anybody could, ha- could have improved their defense more in one year than what well, we've seen. Well, apparently, and this is much to my surprise, 
but apparently if somebody asks you to play a position in the major leagues that you haven't played since you were like 15 or whenever, uh, apparently that's kind of hard. And that's what we said on the podcast last year when he was struggling. He's never played third base before. It's hard to learn a position, new position at the major league level, right? Right. And I mean, you know, for all those of us who played, third base is a little bit terrifying when you're in little league. <laughs> you know, that's where still where a lot of the hard hit balls go the, the four times a year that somebody hits a hard one. Yeah. In little league. <laughs> but in the major league level, wow, you know, the third base is a lot closer to home plate than shortstop is. Um so it's, yeah, I mean, I think there was an adjustment period, and, and he se- certainly seems to have made the adjustment. Yeah, and again, this is a guy that's 25 years old. That's what, that's what just, I, I love it, just to see that number 25, because he did have a good year last year. Uh, he did start out hot last year as well and, and then drop back. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's going to be hitting 333 with a 412 on base percentage at the end of the year. But I do think that we're poised to see a, uh, a huge step forward in his numbers. Yeah. Well, and the thing about last season, you know, last year, you're right. He did start off hot and then fade, but he didn't really fade so much as he had a really horrible, like, May. I right. think it was, it was just kind of generally struggling everywhere. Um, and then after that, like, rebounded, he was actually an above-average hitter for the rest of the year after May. Um, so he, uh, he has definitely shown sort of long stretches of being able to hit, uh, consistently hit pretty yeah. well. And again, a kid who's uh, learning his craft, and uh, uh, there's all been all this talk about uh, who's going to be in the infield, you know, with all these big, uh, these young uh, middle infielders, and, and with Sinzel getting drafted, the third baseman getting drafted in the first round last year. But no question, no question whatsoever in my mind that uh, Eugenio Suarez it should be and is in the long term plans somewhere. It may not be third base, it may be maybe shortstop, it may be second base. Um, but this is a guy that uh, he's uh, he's quickly become one of my favorites and uh and i told the story on uh, on twitter about uh my son's favorite player was uh always billy hamilton since the day he was born basically and so we were in cincinnati i guess last weekend and uh he i let him pick out another uh another what they call jersey you know one of those jersey shirts t-shirts uh for whoever's new favorite player was and he i was kind of pushing him towards hamilton and arvado you know and he chose eugenio suarez and um I think it's a pretty good choice. This guy's got uh, this guy's got a fun future ahead of him in the next few years. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he might be. I think there's been some talk on this on uh, on the website, but I feel like he might be somebody where in a few months, if he keeps this up, the Reds might be looking at a uh, hey, let's talk contract extension. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, let's, let's lock you up and go ahead and get this done for a few years at least. Um, I think that might be smart. I mean, you know, if you can get him now, where he's not quite, you know, not no, quite. But- there for teams like the reds i think you have to do that uh, you know and, and people make a lot of noise about this extension or that extension working out you know um but the reds i don't know you know Votto worked out uh you know that extension has worked out regardless of what some mouth breathers have to say about it um the brandon phillips extension for all the noise and, and unfortunateness at the end of it they got their money's worth yeah probably made good financial sense in the end yeah homer and devin haven't worked out as well um but you know you got to you got to you got to take that chance at some point. Yeah. If it works out, you usually end up getting a pretty fantastic bargain. Yeah, if if, if they could lock up Suarez for six, next six years or something, sign yeah. me up for that because I think this is a guy that will be a productive major leaguer for at least that long, um, and and then could be more than just a productive major leaguer. I think you know he could take that huge step forward. So, yeah, I think there's definite potential for him to be an all star. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, he keeps it like this, maybe this year. 
Um, all right. Well, you know, that's about. Uh, we've sort of wrapped our heads as much as we can about around a team that's played pretty poorly this week. Anything else in particular you wanna you wanna talk about before we wrap things up here, Jason? Um, no, I think I'm good. I'm gonna go ahead and predict that the Reds uh, take the series from the Cardinals, though. Oh, dare to dream. Dare yeah. to dream. Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Turn it on and watch it. Uh, watch Devin Mezzarocco make his debut. You know, thank you guys for listening, uh, downloading, and listening to us. Uh, the number of subscribers keep going up every month, and I'm really humbled by that. Uh, really appreciate those of you that go to iTunes or Stitcher or tune in wherever you go to get the podcast, and you leave us a rating and a review because that does help other people find us. And uh, and it just it means a lot to me that you take some time out of your day to download this and listen to us talking about this crazy team that we all follow. You can. Find out uh, what we're writing about the Reds. Uh, read every single day. We're covering them every single day at redlegnation.com and have been. This is the 13th season covering the Reds every single day, which is hard to believe. You can follow us on Twitter at, at redlegnation. Jason is at Jason Linden. I'm at Dotson C. And, uh, you know, tell a friend if, if you want. Jason, appreciate you coming on, buddy. We'll talk again real soon. Anytime, sir. All right. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying... So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.